listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. If you have your Bible, I want you to open it with me to the book of Numbers. I want to show you this. Um, in the 13th chapter of this book, the 13th chapter is called, I don't know if you can see that, Giants for Dinner. Giants for Dinner is chapter 13. And um, I'm going to talk to you today about a perspective that you've got to have in order to win after win after win after win. We always talk about never-ending increase never-ending victory, because it's God's plan for your life as a believer. And uh, if you haven't taken a moment to share the broadcast, please do so today. This is a life-changing thing. And when I saw this and understood this perspective, it changed me. And um, this in this chapter in Further Faster called Giants for Dinner, uh, we cover from chapters 13 and 14 of Numbers uh, a perspective that has to be had has to be seen if we're going to have a winning lifestyle in the kingdom of God. We win in every situation. God didn't anoint you to go from battle to battle losing those battles. He anointed you to win battle after battle. Now, we know that the war is won. We know that Jesus won the war. But the devil, through deception, will keep trying to pull you into battles. Here's the good news. We don't fight for the victory we fight from the victory. And if you're taking notes, put it down and put that in the comments. I'm not fighting for the victory. I'm fighting from the victory. Jesus already won the victory. We don't have to win it. So I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. Very different place. It's a very different place to be when you're in a battle. And of course, the enemy will do his best to try to drag you back into battles. But the good news is you've already won the war and you have authority that you can take over the enemy and you're not fighting for the victory, you're fighting from the victory. Extremely important point. So in Numbers chapter 13, if you don't know the context of this passage, what it is, is that they have finally gotten to the place where they are at the promised land that God had promised his children and as they can get closer and closer to it, they finally decided to send spies into the promised land. And of course, they chose one man from each of the 12 tribes of Israel and sent them into the promised land to spy it out and see what it would be like. When they came back with their report, which is found in Numbers chapter 13, 10 of those men had what the Bible calls an evil report or a report of doubt, unbelief, and fear. And two of those men had a report of faith and victory. And I've always made the point when telling this story that nobody can name the other 10 that had an evil or a fearful report, but everybody remembers the names of the two men who came back with a victory report. And if you know those two names, put them in the comments section. If you know who I'm talking about, show your Bible knowledge and throw those two names in the comments section. Two men had the faith to believe 
that we can take the promised land. We can definitely take the promised land. So I'm going to turn to Numbers 13 with you. We'll see who has the right answer in the comments section. There it is. Caleb and Joshua. That's it. Caleb and Joshua. Exactly right. People are, they know who we're talking about. They're writing it in the comments. You know it because, and here's why. I've always made this, and it sounds good as an alliteration, but it's also true. Fear makes you forgettable, but faith makes you famous. Fear makes you forgettable, but faith makes you famous. And so we've forgotten all about those other men. We've forgotten all about them. We don't know their names. We don't know anything else about their lives. But with Joshua and Caleb, we know who they are. Preachers preach about who they are, preach about their report, preach about their faith. And then look at this. Look at how their position of victory later on in their lives that was still with them. I mean, think about the power of this. Their victory was everlasting. I, lo I love this. <clears throat> Their victory was everlasting. What do I mean by that? Well, sadly, and I'll read it to you in a minute. Sadly, when all of the reports came back, the assembly and Moses chose to believe the evil report. They chose to believe the 10 over the two. And so as a result, 45 years later, they were still not in the promised land. 45 years later. Think about that. Fear delayed them for 45 years. Let, let me stop there for a minute. Because that there are I heard a preacher preach about this one time, about mistakes. Because not all mistakes are the same. <clears throat> some mistakes are more costly than other mistakes. There's no question about that. But some mistakes can easily be fixed. Some mistakes are hard to fix. And some mistakes can never be fixed. Here was a mistake that they made that not only was it hard, it cost them 45 years years of waiting cost them 45 years of waiting. They shouldn't have had to wait 45 years to step into the promises of God. That's crazy. God was ready right then and there to take them into victory right then and there. But what happened? A report of fear, doubt, unbelief kept them out of the promises of God. Do you know that that same exact thing is still happening today? When people believe a report of fear, doubt, and unbelief, it keeps them out of the promises of God. Keeps them out of the promises of God. We're in Numbers 13. Listen to, uh, I'll start with verse 25. Very, very important. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27, and they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. 
and this is its fruit. However, now here's the key. Verse 28 is the key. Listen to this fear. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. That was giants. That's giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negeb. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. Now, look at, the, look at verse 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men, verse 31, who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against those people. They're stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we've gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. That's fallen angels, by the way demon spirits that mated with women to create giants. And we seem to ourselves, oh man, like grasshoppers. And so we seem to them. I've got to preach on this to you today. I've got to preach on this to you today. Look at this. Do you catch the power of that last verse of the 13th chapter? Catch the power of it. It says, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Notice what they seemed to them was based upon what they seemed to themselves. Come on, man. You got to catch this today. We seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so because of that, that's what we seem to them. I, I'll tell you one thing. Let me give you a, a, an alternate story. I bet you a ton of the people on the battlefield thought David was a stupid little kid. They thought that when he walked out there talking trash, don't you think? The Bible says Goliath mocked him. King didn't even believe in him. I'm sure the Philistine army looked at him and said, what a stupid little punk. I guarantee you another thing, they weren't saying that when he cut Goliath's head off with his own sword and held that head up in the air with blood dripping out the bottom and a rock mark on the forehead, I guarantee you their whole tune changed when he knocked the, the champion down and cut his head off with his own sword. I guarantee you that nobody in the Philistine camp was saying stupid little punk. I bet you money they were saying, my God, let's get out of here. And they ran and the Israelite army pursued them and killed them. And Pastor Bill Motley has put it all into one phrase so well. The enemy knows how you see yourself. The enemy knows. He views you how you view you. And the no see, here's the key in 1 Peter 5, 8. The enemy knows who he may devour. He knows who he may devour. He's not allowed to devour anybody he wants to. He only knows whom he may devour. And so I want you to see this. The Bible says, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. I guarantee you, David did not see himself as a grasshopper. 
you go out and understand what they were facing was the same thing David was facing. Giants, a giant. But look at the difference in the story. The one group of people looked at them and said, we can't. David looked at Goliath and said, I can and I will. You see the difference? Faith versus fear, the perspective that you've got to have, no matter what situation you're in, they looked at the giants and said, we can't. David looked at a giant and said, not only I I can, I will. Remember this, David said to the giant, today, I will feed your flesh to the birds of the air. (laughs) I will feed you. I'll feed your dead carcass to the birds of the air. People thought, what a stupid little punk. He's a shepherd. He's got no business talking to a giant champion of war like that. Oh, yeah, no business until he knocks him out and cuts his head off. Because let me tell you how everybody's tune changed after that. Everybody's tune changed. Not just the Philistines in the Israelite camp. Because they went from what a stupid little punk to people singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. The whole tune changed. But let me tell you something. Nothing changed in David because he was the same dude walking out there that he was walking off the field. You, you see that? He was the same dude walking onto the field that he was walking off the field. He told the king. King said, you can't do that. He's, he's a champion. He's a champion. And you're just a shepherd. He said, you don't understand who you're talking to, king. I, there's been lions and bears that have come into the sheepfold. I killed them both. And in the same way that God put them into my hand, he'll deliver this giant into my hand. And I will take him out. David didn't change. He was the same guy going in that he was coming off the field. What changed is everybody's view of David because it wasn't until he took actions of faith that they could see what was on the inside of him. Faith without works is dead. And so David had the faith, but until he did what was in him, nobody could see it on the outside of him. See, that's why with Caleb and Joshua, recognize this, that it their victory continued into their future because of their faith. Caleb said, I'm 85 years old today. This was 45 years later. He said, I'm 85 years old today, but I'm stronger today than when I was 40. Think about that. He increased in strength. He increased in wisdom. He was still ready to take the land. Joshua, not only did he increase, but Moses laid hands upon him and all of the people of Israel, their loyalty shifted from Moses to Joshua and Joshua by faith led them all in to the promised land. Hallelujah. Led them all in to the promised land. Notice that phrase. We seem to ourselves like grasshoppers and so we seem to them. Now go down the next chapter, 14 and verse 9. No, let's go to verse eight. Listen to this. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Verse nine, look at this. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Don't rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of this land. I love this phrase. Catch it with me. For they are bread for us. They are bread 
for us. I want you to write that in the comments section. Every person watching, take a minute and write it. They are bread for us. Put that in. And their protection is removed from them. And the Lord is with us, so do not fear them. See, Caleb and Joshua had the word. These giants are bread for us. You know what that means? We will eat them up. You think, I mean, <laughs> you, you look, just look at these two stories that we've, that we've dealt with today, David and Joshua and Caleb. And what you can find from the scripture is this. There are only two things giants are good for. There's only two things giants are good for. Cutting off their head and eating them like bread. That's it. That's it. Two things giants are good for. Cutting off their head and eating them like bread. Every giant that stands in your way is falling by faith today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Every giant that stands in your path that tries to block you from what God has called you to do is falling to the ground in front of you today by faith and will not harass you and will not delay you and will not give you any problems as you move forward. Every giant falls in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. They are like bread to us and their protection is removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Now look at this. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. You start talking faith and people start coming against you. Think about that. No, stone these men. Stone them with stones. <laughs> what are you stoning them for? Their confession of faith. Let me just say this. Every time you step out in faith and start to enact your faith, it will bring a separation between you and those who refuse to believe God. And it will offend those people. Because let me give you, let me give you something about human nature that I'm sure you've already learned by now. Nobody likes it when they're getting outperformed. Nobody. If you've ever worked on a job with somebody that just does the bare minimum to not get fired, you know, they come in at 9.03 and leave at 4.58. You know what I'm talking about? They come in, do just the bare minimum to not get fired. And then you've got a vision to increase your position at the company. You put in extra hours. You start doing more than you're required to do. You start becoming a problem solver. What, what, what starts getting said around the office? Well, here comes the brown noser. Here comes the one that just thinks he's going to do all of our work. Why don't you just take it easy? Why don't you just take it easy a little bit? I mean, just chill out. It doesn't all have to get done today. And see that lazy, wicked spirit. The reason I call it wicked is because the Bible calls that spirit of laziness wicked. In Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, the one who had one talent buried it in the ground instead of working. And what did the master say? You wicked and lazy servant. Laziness is wickedness. Laziness is wickedness. And let me tell you something. Whenever you start stepping out in faith and doing more, 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 it exposes those who refuse to do more. I mean, throw your hand up in the comments section if, if, that's, if you've ever been in that position where you've, you're the worker, you're the one producing, and those who want to do the bare minimum start talking about you or making comments. Well, it looks, what are you going to do? Everybody's work? What are you trying to get in good with the boss? What are you trying to get the boss's job? I mean, there's always a comment. 
There's always something. You know why? Because human nature doesn't like to be outperformed. Human nature, they don't, they want everybody to just coast along at the same pace and not do anything so they can feel good not doing anything. But the moment you start producing, what's happening is you're showing what's possible to be done. Like I know people that literally could complete their jobs more quickly than they do, but they know if they ever do it at that speed, the boss will see, oh, the job can be done at that speed. And then they'll always be required to do it at that speed. And then as a result, they won't be able to just slack off and do whatever they want day by day by day. And they don't want anybody else doing it more effectively or more efficiently or more quickly because it shines a light on their inadequacies and their laziness. So anytime, just catch this with me because this is not a natural principle. It's a spiritual principle that anytime you step out by faith and start doing things in excellence and by faith and step up, you know, to actually produce, there will be people who, who start to make comments about you and, uh, and talk about you behind your back and all this. And I'm telling you, it'll happen. So don't get, don't get bent out of shape when it does happen. You should start giving God praise when it does, because it's a sign you are worth talking about. I mean, you think about that. You are worth talking about. It means that you're producing at a level that's making people uncomfortable and they should get uncomfortable because their laziness and their lack of faith is being exposed. And so they should get uncomfortable. They should feel the separation. That's what happened here. Stone them. Seriously, you're going to stone them for having a report of faith. You're going to stone them for coming back with a good report. Why? Because they contradicted your report? Because they contradicted your report, Dr. Fauci? Anyway, the Bible says, stone them. (laughs) The glory of the Lord has appeared at the tent of the meeting and all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs I've done among them? I will strike them with pestilence, disinherit them, and will make them, uh, and, and will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. But then Moses intercedes for the people. But guess what? It still took the time because the people would not believe. Let me just say this. Let me say this: a perspective. We're talking today about the perspective you must have in order to win. The perspective you must have in order to win. Let me let me give you this. And it's very important that every time you win a battle, every time you win a battle, it causes you to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Every time. See, remember this. He takes us from grace to grace, from victory to victory, from faith to faith. You start where you're at. Notice David didn't start with giants. He started with lions and bears. But watch this. He then went on to a giant. But if you keep reading the story of David and his mighty men, he didn't stop with a giant. Read the Bible. David and his mighty men went out and killed every other giant that was alive on the earth at the time. There were none remaining. They caused giants to be extinct. (laughs) Think about that. David and his mighty men caused giants to be extinct. 
They went out and killed every other. And it's and understand this. The only reason giants were upon the earth, it, giants were a wicked race. You have to remember that. The reason that the way that they came to the earth is because the Bible teaches us fallen angels, demons, had sex with human women and produced giants. So Goliath and his brothers, all of the other descendants of Anak, all of them were like basically demonic spawn, demonic seed. And David was justified. They were they were a wicked demonic race. And David and his mighty men, David didn't stop at a giant. He and his mighty men killed every other giant on the earth. And then God didn't let him stop there. Then David as king began to subdue nations. So remember that. You start where you are and you increase. He started with lions and bears. He went on to a giant. Then he killed all the giants. Then he subdued nations. Hallelujah. And you keep increasing. But what's the key? What is the perspective? I want you to see this with me. There's a perspective that has to be known and has to be seen. Listen to this. I'll give you three things. Catch it in your mind. When David's out on the battlefield, and I want you to write these as I give them to you. When David was out on the battlefield with Goliath, listen to the perspective difference. There's a perspective difference. Number one, Israel saw a bully. David saw a bullseye. Israel saw a bully. David saw a bullseye. Put that in the comments. Israel saw a bully. David saw a bullseye. <clears throat> I like how Pastor Joel said it. Saul said Goliath is too big to kill. David said Goliath is too big to miss. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. <laughs> Saul said Goliath is too big to kill. David said he's too big to miss. Why? Israel saw a bully. David saw a bullseye. <clears throat> That's the perspective. The perspective is, I'm not going to be destroyed. The enemies of my purpose, the enemies of God will be destroyed. Everything that opposes what God has called me to do will fall to the wayside. Everything. Everything. Israel saw a bully. David saw a bullseye. That's what faith does. Faith sees every opposition as an opportunity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In fact, let me give that to you as number two. Faith sees every opposition as an opportunity. So listen, when they came to the Red Sea after they were delivered from slavery in Egypt, think about this. They came out of Egypt, Moses led them out, and they're going towards the promised land and they come up to the banks of the Red Sea. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. They're looking at that and saying, how can we do this? Now they're coming out to take us back into slavery. Now the army's coming after us. Pharaoh's coming after us. There's nowhere to go. There's no bridge. There's no way across. We're, our backs are against the wall. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? God looked at that. See, Israel looked at the Red Sea as opposition. God looked at it as an opportunity. <laughs> Israel looked at it as opposition. But God looked at it as an opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. Put it in the comments. The Israel or Israel saw the Red Sea as opposition. God saw it as opportunity. Well, let me explain to you what I mean. God used the thing 
that was seemingly against them to win them another victory. You see that? Not only did he, this is so powerful. Not only did he open up the sea for his people and let them walk across on dry ground. By the way, remember how they were walking across, by the way. Remember how they were walking across. All free from slavery, all healed, the Bible tells us, not a feeble one among them, and loaded down with the Egyptians' gold and silver. That's how God brought them across. They're walking through a miracle as a miracle. (laughs) My God. You see it? They're walking through a miracle as a miracle. I mean, literally just a short time ago, they were being beaten, stolen from, uh, you know, slavery. They were owned. Now they're walking through a miracle as a miracle. Not only are they free people, they're healed people and they're blessed people. It's an Old Testament picture of a New Testament covenant that was to come through Jesus Christ. And God looked at that and said, I'm going to use this Red Sea crossing as an opportunity to free my people, but I'm also going to use it as an opportunity to destroy the enemies of my people. Thank you, Jesus. And then once they had all safely come to the other side of the Red Sea, Pharaoh and his army thought they could do the same thing. It's, let me just say this. It's a dangerous thing for people to assume that they can do the same things you do without a covenant. Dangerous thing. Let me tell you something. If I wasn't saved, if I didn't have a covenant with Christ, I would be wearing a mask and rubber gloves anywhere I went. Let me be honest with you. If I wasn't saved, if I didn't have a covenant with Jesus Christ, I'd be masking and rubber gloving it. I'd be spraying everything with Lysol. I'd be getting hand sanitizer till my hands were cracked and dry. I I would go into, literally, I'd go in there with a full kit and wipe down every cart at every grocery store. I'd wipe the handle down. I'd wipe the basket down. I'd wipe the people in the store down. I'd wipe everything. If I, if I didn't have a covenant with Christ, I'd be in a hazmat suit that I bought off Amazon walking around like it's the zombie apocalypse. But I don't have to do that. You know why I don't have to do that? Because I don't look the same as everybody else. I've got a covenant that is different and it's dangerous for others to think they can do what I can do without a covenant. Hallelujah. And so you need to understand this. The reason we're different is because we've got a supernatural covenant with the most high God. Healing is a major part of that covenant. And so Pharaoh and his army thought they could do what the people of God did with a covenant. And they started walking through the Red Sea just like God wanted them to. See, just think about this for a minute. Once they were down and across, the the children of Israel, once they were across the Red Sea, God could have just closed it up so that Pharaoh and his army couldn't have gotten across. But look what God did. I mean, think what God did. After his people went through, God kept it open. (laughs) That's a powerful thought, man. God kept it open for his enemies. He kept it open for his enemies. Yeah, come on in. Come on in, all of you. Come on through. Get everybody get into the Red Sea. Come quickly. 
Come on with your chariots. Come on with your horses. Come on with your swords and spears and shields. Come on with your armor. And the Bible says God kept it open so they all could come on in to the uh, bed of the Red Sea. And once they were all in, boom, God dropped the hammer and washed them all away. You know, God didn't just deliver. God didn't just deliver his people. He also destroyed their enemies. And I love the fact that God kept that sea open, kept it open. They were already across. They were already across. And God just kept it sitting there open. The waves flying up into the air as Pharaoh, they're riding hard through the, and then boom, all at once swallows them into a watery grave and their enemies have been destroyed. The the people of Israel saw an opposition or an obstacle, but the people of God were wrong for God saw an opportunity. Hallelujah. And he used it. Let me give you a third one. Second Kings chapter six is the story of Elisha in Dothan and an enemy king from Syria is coming to destroy him so that he can kill the, the, the king of Israel and the people of Israel. Elisha wakes up in the morning. His servant Gehazi goes out and looks and says, we're surrounded by an enemy army. He starts freaking out. And the prophet says, no, Lord, open his eyes so he can see what I can see. And then the servant looked again and he saw angelic armies of fire surrounding their enemies. And the prophet said, there are more with us than there are with them. (laughs) There's more with us than there are with them. The servant saw enemies. The prophet saw angels. The servant saw enemies. The prophet saw angels. Recognize this. This is the perspective that you must have in order to win all the time. I never look at any situation and say to myself, it's not, I, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how it's going to happen. I, why would you serve a God who can do the impossible and then say, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if it'll happen. I don't know if it'll work. I don't know. We better just, look, don't, don't step out too much. Why would you talk like that? When you understand that you serve a God who does the impossible, I'm telling you, go after every giant. I'm telling you, part the Red Sea. I'm telling you, understand angels are surrounding your house and surrounding your body and surrounding your family. My my family can't be destroyed. My finances can't be destroyed. My mind can't be destroyed. My body can't be destroyed. This ministry can't be destroyed. The power of God is working on our behalf. And I'm talking about you working on your behalf. And there is a blessing. That's why we keep confessing. Who in their right mind, think about it. Who in their right mind during this time, during this time says, May is the month of miracles. People people without faith would only say that when everything looks good on the outside. Best economy in years, everybody, highest employment rate, businesses thriving, stock market thriving. Who says that? Who says that when it looks like there's an attack against the world and an attack against the nation? People who have faith say that. That's why I love you. 
And those of you that watch here on here, no, there's not, I'm looking in the comments. People aren't on the comments with me right now saying, uh, you, you need to stop talking like that. You know, our comment section's not filled with people trying to rebuke this thought process that you need to use more wisdom. Everybody in these comment sections is watching these broadcasts daily is shouting hallelujah, saying amen, there's more with us, I believe God, miracles are taking place, it's my month for miracles, it's my year for violent increase. That's because those of you that are watching the broadcast are filled with faith. And people that are filled with faith are people that can declare it's going to be a month of miracles when everybody else says it's a month of mayhem. And I don't care what those who say with a, with a report of doubt and unbelief, I don't care what their confession is. I don't care what their report is. I'm not part of the 10. I'm part of the two. Hallelujah. I want you to say it in the comments. I'm not part of the 10. I'm part of the two. That's exactly your word today. I'm not part of the 10. I'm part of the two. You know what that means? I don't come back with an evil report. I don't come back with a wicked report. I come back with a report of glory. I, re- I come back with a, a report of victory. I come back with a report of faith. I am not part of the 10. I'm part of the two. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll never be a part of the 10. I'll always be a part of the two. And you can't take my faith off the two part because I'm part of, I'm those that like Joshua and Caleb believe that no matter what giant stands in my way, they are like bread for us. Hallelujah. They are like bread. We will eat them up. There is nothing that can destroy us. There's nothing that can take us out. There's nothing that can stop us. There's nothing that can kill us. There's nothing that can hinder us. We are moving forward because we are the kingdom of God. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Will not. That means there can never be a time. Think about this. I'm getting excited. I'm sitting up and getting ready to preach to you. Think about this. There can, according to the prophecy of Christ, there can never be a time where the gates of hell prevail against the church. If there ever was a time that the gates of hell prevailed against the church, Jesus is a liar. But I'm telling you, he's the one who said, I will personally build my church and the gates of hell will not ever prevail against it. They'll never, listen, I don't care how long Jesus waits to rapture his church. There will never be a time where the gates of hell will prevail against the church. Never, never. Look at the early church. I want you to see this. Look at the early church in the first two and three centuries when persecution was so heavy that there was just martyrs everywhere, martyr after martyr after martyr in the most horrible ways, in the most horrible ways that you can imagine killing people, boiling them in oil, feeding them to wild animals, cutting them in half, cutting their heads off, crucifying them upside down. I mean, all these different ways they were killing the followers of Christ. And you'd think that if that's what was happening, if that's the threat 
of what was happening to the people who followed Jesus, it would really be something that uh, curbed the followers of Christ. So like, you know, I was thinking about becoming a Christian, but when I saw everything they were doing to Christians, I thought it's probably a good idea to, to really not do that at this time until the, no, the Bible uh, is clear. The gates of hell can't prevail. And history is clear that in the first three centuries of the church, the Christianity exploded throughout the world, exploded. It was an irresistible religion. Even though they were being killed, even though they were being tortured, even though they were being persecuted, Christianity exploded. The devil couldn't shut it down. Think about that. The devil couldn't shut it down. He tried and tried and tried to shut Christianity down. He thought he was winning by having them kill Jesus. It was the dumbest thing the devil ever did. That's why the Bible says if the princes of this world had known what they were doing, they would never have crucified our Lord because Jesus is described as the incorruptible seed. And then if you don't want a seed to grow, you don't put it in the ground. So they killed the seed and put the seed into the ground. And now every person that's like us on the earth today is a harvest of the seed of Christ who went in the ground. I am a harvest of the seed of Christ. You're a harvest of the seed of Christ. The devil shot himself in the foot and probably to this day is screaming, crying, and pulling his hair out that he didn't recognize what was going on. And the gates of hell cannot and will not ever prevail against the church. And so I don't ever say stupid things like you hear people say, well, brother, just pray for the church is in trouble. The church isn't in trouble, you dummy. The church can't be in trouble. It's impossible for the church to be in trouble because he'll build his church and the gates of hell cannot and will not prevail against the church. Anytime a quote unquote church is in trouble is when they've left the church. You understand what I mean by that? There's churches that are buildings and people that aren't doing anything Jesus told them to do. They're shrinking. They're closing their doors. They don't have any provision. It's because they're not truly a part of the church. If you're truly a part of the church, you do what Jesus said to do. And one of those things that Jesus said to do is to win souls and disciple people. When you see that the average church in America won't have one conversion, and Canada won't have one conversion in an entire calendar year, you can just pretty much discern that they are a church building that has left the church. Because if you refuse, think about this, if you refuse to do the number one thing Jesus commanded, that it is the highest priority of God's heart and vision and his, his desire is to see souls saved and people come out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. If you're a church and you don't do that at all, you have left the church. So you are in trouble, but it's not because the church is in trouble. It's because you've disconnected yourself from being part of the church because the church obeys the commands of Christ. 
The church obeys the command. So the church isn't in trouble. It's people who have disconnected themselves from the church that are in trouble. And they are no longer the church of Jesus Christ because the church of Jesus Christ obeys the Bible. And the church of Jesus Christ wins the lost. And the church of Jesus Christ lays their hands on the sick. And Let me ask you a question. People say, well, we don't really see those kinds of miracles anymore. We don't really see people healed like they used to. Yeah, when you've got tons of churches that refuse to even lay hands on the sick. Jesus said, through the Holy Spirit, for Jesus is the Word, by the way, made flesh, the Holy Spirit inspired James to write, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. And they will anoint them with oil and lay their hands upon them. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. That's the prescription for people in church that are sick. How many churches, quote unquote, do we have that refuse to have any time in their services to lay their hands on the sick because they don't believe it's for a church service? They think it'll freak people out and make them all weird. Oh, this church puts their hands on people and puts oil on their head. What in the world's that about? See, because we've gotten more interested in churches uh, with being acceptable to the culture than we have to being acceptable in the sight of God by obeying his commands. And so we go around, well, I don't want to lay my hands on people and put oil on their head or say blood in church or have a cross on the wall because I don't want to freak out. Some of these visitors need to be freaked out. There's some people in the world, the Bible says, some saved by fear, hating even their garments to smell like smoke. Some people need to get freaked out in the kingdom of God. They need to come into the church living a life in sin like they are and totally get turned around by the power of God. Not make it acceptable to every sinner that comes in off the street and make them feel comfortable sitting in a church. You shouldn't be comfortable in sin if you're in the holy house of God while the gospel's being preached and the Holy Spirit is convicting hearts. You should be uncomfortable in that situation because the Holy Spirit's pricking your heart to make a change and to come to the altar and be saved by the power of God. But churches are more interested nowadays with being hip, being cool, being entertaining, and being acceptable to those who don't have a covenant with Christ, and they've lost their obedience. Why do you think many churches are shrinking? Why do you think many are closing their doors? They won't do what the Bible says to do. I've never seen a church that makes their priority winning souls have to close their doors, ever. Do you know what else? I've never seen a church who makes their priority winning souls have to come up with stupid ways that are carnal ways of bringing people into the church so that they can keep their doors open. You don't have to come up with entertainment. You don't have to come up with carnal ways of reaching people if you'll just do what the Bible says. The gospel message itself is powerful. It is the power of God unto salvation. Paul said that. I don't have to make it cool. It is a lifeline to those that are dying. It's like Dr. Reinhard Bonnke said, and remember this and put it in the comments. Bread is always relevant to a starving man. I want you to put that in the comments. Dr. Reinhard Bonnke said that before he went home to be with the Lord. Bread is always relevant to a starving man. And that is exactly 
right. The problem is many of our churches have no bread being preached from the pulpit. They're not preaching the bread of heaven. There's not, they're not even given the milk of the word. Many of the things preached in churches today that are seeker sensitive could be found in the bestseller aisle at a Barnes and Noble in a business book has nothing to do with the gospel, has nothing to do with the power of God. It's just business principles reformatted for believers. But hear what I'm saying. Bread is always relevant to a starving man. Souls are dying. That's why preachers, they're preaching stuff, I've noticed, that have nothing to do with the hurting world that's out there. And you've got people that need an answer to what they're going through. And, you know, there's people doing series on, you know, three steps to having better work relationships. What business does that have in a church service? Three keys to having better work relationships. You could get that at Barnes and Noble. Preach the mighty word of God and let God's power rearrange the hearts of men. And if churches and believers would just literally do what the Bible says, you'd never see churches shrinking. They didn't see that in the early church. They had so many people being added to the church, they didn't have anywhere to put them. 3,000 added, 5,000 added, 7,000 added, crowds and crowds added, multitudes added. I mean, think about this. Think about this. And this is what's going on. Well, the church is in trouble. The church isn't in trouble. People that have separated themselves from the church are in trouble. That's right. That's why Paul encouraged, as Joel, Pastor Joel Toller's pointing out from the UK, Paul encouraged Timothy, who was a pastor, He said, do the work of an evangelist. He didn't say you are an evangelist. He said, do the work of one, which means pastors should be doing the work of an evangelist. Teachers should be doing the work of an evangelist. Believers should be doing the work of an evangelist. And that work is bringing the harvest into the kingdom and seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. And so I want you to hear this today. The church is not in trouble. The church is by no means in trouble. We are in a position of dominion and authority and anointing. We're a city set on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. The the world will not look down to us. They will look up at us in Jesus' mighty name. And we've got to have a mindset. Anytime I look at what's going on in the world, I don't look like at the end of Numbers chapter 13. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. How you see you, according to your own spirit, your own mind, your own flesh, is how you're going to operate in this world. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. But when you look into this word and recognize who you are, hallelujah, when you recognize who you are, then you start realizing, just like David He might look big, but there's a bigger one on the inside of me. I killed lions. I killed bears. I'm ready for giant jerky. I am ready for giant jerky. Today's the day I'm going to create a feast for crows. Think about that. I'm going to create a feast for crows. I will feed your flesh to the birds of the air. And he didn't just talk a big talk. He walked it by faith and the giant had to fall. And the weapon that was formed against him could not prosper and it prospered against his enemy. And he chopped off Goliath's head and came running back through the camp. And they started singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. I am speaking on this broadcast today to a group of Davids. I'm speaking on the broadcast today. That's why we call you. 
especially those that are standing with us, shows that you really truly believe in what God's doing. As you stand in partnership with our ministry, it's proof that you believe it. If you didn't believe it, you wouldn't sow into it. That's why we call you the miracle word, mighty men and women. That's why we call you that. The miracle word, mighty men and women. That's who I'm talking to today. I'm talking to mighty men and women. I'm not talking to sinners saved by grace. I'm not talking to the down and out. I'm not talking to those that don't have it together. I'm not talking to those that are barely getting by. I'm speaking to miracle word, mighty men and women. Those that are anointed to take giants out. I'm speaking to people that are anointed to solve problems, that are anointed to destroy the works of the devil, that are anointed to lay their hands on the sick and watch them to recover. I'm speaking to those that are anointed to cast out devils. I'm, an, I'm speaking to those that are anointed to raise the dead. I'm speaking to those that are that have the greater one living on the inside of them. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. I'm not speaking to the ones that need milk today. I'm feeding you meat today. The, the meat of the word, as, as Hebrews calls it, the strong meat of the word, because that's who you are. That's who, You wouldn't be on here every day, twice a day, if you weren't the miracle word, mighty men and women. And mighty is going to be your story. And let me tell you this, it's also going to be the manifestation of your life. Everywhere you go, mighty manifestations. Everywhere you, uh, whatever you put your hand to do will succeed and prosper. As you hear the voice of the Lord and God's guiding you by his spirit, you will walk into a place of increase everywhere you walk. Because the Bible says in Isaiah 48, 17, I'm the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. The Bible says in Job 36, 11, if they'll only obey and serve me, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Get ready. You're spending your days in prosperity. You're spending your years in pleasures because of obedience in Jesus' mighty name. You're not going to decrease. You're increasing. You're increasing. It's our month of miracles. It's our year of violent increase and expedited favor. And we refuse, hallelujah, we refuse to decrease. We will only increase in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We will only increase in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. It's going to be a year to remember. It's going to be a year to celebrate. It's going to be a month to celebrate because we're confessing before June 1st hits, we're going to hold our testimonies in our hand in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Whoo, glory to God. I said glory to God. And I'm excited because increase is hitting like never before. I can't even tell you all the things that are happening. I will, but I can't right now. But God is moving. I promise you, expansion's happening, increase is happening, and it's exciting to me. You can tell I'm on the edge of my seat. Because God's moving in such a way. We've never seen him move like this. We've never seen him move like this. Not in this ministry. He's moving in such a way, and you're a part of it. An increase is coming to your home and increases in this house. And it will not stop. It'll only get greater and greater and greater and greater. That's it. That is it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I'm encouraging you right now. Get ready. The best days are yet to come. What is the perspective you need? The perspective is, though I may face giants, I have 
the fortitude and the power to ensure they'll become bread to me. They'll become bread to me. What does any enemy of my soul think they hold over me? I can't be destroyed. I cannot be defeated. The church of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, the church of Jesus Christ, think about this, the church of Jesus Christ will never be defeated by the gates of hell. They cannot prevail. There's no demon, there's no spirit, there's no devil, there's no antichrist agenda that can destroy the church. That is foolishness. That's a lie of the devil. I'm not part of the 10, I'm part of the two. Somebody follow Mary Sue on on YouTube's example and put it in the comments. I am a giant slayer. I am a giant slayer in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Put it in. I am a giant slayer. And that's who you are. That's your identity. That's your identity. By the way, did you know? Did you know that David brought about the line that Christ was born into. He was from the house of David. He was from the tribe of Judah. And because we're in Christ, did you know that every Christian in history is from the tribe of Judah? That's the tribe of praise, the tribe of Judah. As we praise God, that's the tribe. By the way, did you know that's the tribe they would send out first to praise God? They would go ahead of everybody else and hold up the banner, and hold up the Ark of the Covenant, and praise their God, and God would fight their battle for them. Did you know that? Judah, send Judah first. Judah would go first. And we are the tribe of Judah. Every Christian that's come in through Christ has come in through one tribe, the tribe of Judah. And guess what? We go first. That means that we're the victory tribe. That means that we're the victory tribe. We're the ones that move forward towards our enemy, in praise and in power, and God fights our battle for us. We're the victory tribe. Hallelujah. Praise leads the way. You're a giant slayer. We're the victory tribe. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. We might have to make a clothing line out of that, victory tribe, and just make hats and shirts and whatever else. (laughs) Victory tribe. Make our own line. I'm so tired of Christian clothing that talks about all it does is, is focus on the, the negative. You know, I, I'm going to get in. Joel, I got a, I got a word for you if, you, if you. if you're looking at that, look at that, Joel. Judah, which means praise, begot Perez, which means breakthrough. Look at the wife, though. Look at the wife. My uncle preached this before. Tamar. If you, if you study Tamar, The name Tamar means palm tree. Palm tree produces the largest seed on the earth, the coconut. Largest seed on the earth. When your praise is combined with your largest seed, it produces breakthrough. Think about that, Joel. When your praise, Judah, is connected to your largest seed, Tamar, it produces Perez breakthrough. That's a word for everybody that's on today. Praise with your largest seed produces a breakthrough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for sowing a seed, Joel. I love you. Can't wait to meet you in person and come to to the UK and hold revival. Thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you, we are in the greatest days that have ever been seen. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith over you today. 
I'm going to pray the prayer of faith over you today. God's going to touch you and even more increase is coming into your house. Even more increase. I like the victory tribe idea. We're going to get to work on that this week. See if we can't get some shirts available. Victory tribe. Bow your head. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every mighty man and mighty woman that's watching the broadcast. Thank you for connecting them with this ministry. Thank you, Jesus, for connecting them with this ministry. We love them. Thank you for sending them to us and us to them. I pray a mighty blessing that would come upon the people of God today. Let this be our truly our month of miracles that before it comes to an end, June 1st, we hold our miracle testimonies in our hands in Jesus' mighty name. Let the power of God, let the power of God come upon their homes in Jesus' mighty name, their children, their bodies, their minds. We thank you for never-ending increase in the mighty name of Jesus. This will be a month that we will shout and rejoice. Victory is coming to us. We give you glory. We give you praise. If you believe that prayer and receive it today, throw some fire in the comment section and tell God thank you for already doing it. Kristen asks, how do you praise with your largest seed? When you sow seed, as we teach on the broadcast, as you sow seed, it has to be seed of faith. When you sow financial seed, it's got to be seed that moves your faith. So anything you give to God has to be something that takes faith to give. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything to God. Anything without faith doesn't please God. We're going to give you an opportunity to sow today. Um, who was asking that? Um, I just saw it a minute ago. They said, "How? what was that again? Where did that go? Somebody just asked the question, and I want to make sure that I didn't miss it. They said, what was that again? Oh, Kim Hughes. What was that called again? Kim, what were you asking about? What was what called? What was what called? Let me know what you mean. I don't want to miss your question. Kim Hughes asked, what was that called again? Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm encouraging you. You know, we've set our faith. Of course, our ultimate goal. What, what was what called? What are you asking about? Yes, you do, Gloria. You have faith. Amen. Never sleeps or slumbers. That's right. You know, God's constantly working to bless his children. He's ne- like, like Nick just pointed out, he never sleeps, never slumbers. He's got angels working on your behalf behind the scenes. He's got things that he's doing for you. The end of praise and seed is called. Oh, so Judah, that name means praise because his mother named him Judah because it sounds like the Hebrew word yada for praise. And then his wife was Tamar, which means palm tree, which produces the largest seed in the world, the coconut. So praise Judah and Tamar, T-A-M-A-R, when they came together and produced a child, it was Perez, which was breakthrough, P-E-R-E-Z, Perez. It means breakthrough. And so praise and the largest seed combined create breakthrough. Powerful word my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, preached in Virginia Beach. Love it. I'll never forget it. It's a powerful revelation. And you need to hear it today. <clears throat> but we're believing God. Now, of course, you know uh, our ultimate goal is we're expanding. I'm telling you, we're expanding worldwide, which I'm so excited about. But 
our ultimate goal is a thousand people that'll stand with us. But we were looking at this today and God has so increased us, so increased us. And I'm going to ask you to pray about this because this next level that we're stepping up into, when God adds, and he will, I want you to think about how powerful this is. When God adds 50 more partners to this ministry, 50, just 50, that's like, that's, that's nothing at all. When God adds 50 more partners to this ministry, we will be in a position to not only do everything we're doing now, but as we're expanding worldwide and everything will be covered by faithful partnership. Think about that. Everything, everything. And I'm going to ask you to pray because I know God's speaking to you. There's people that are watching the broadcast right now and the Lord's speaking to you to become one of the miracle word, mighty men and women on a monthly basis. And if you are, if you're one of those people, here's what I want you to do today. I want you to go to miracleword.com and click on the partner tab and start standing with us from this day. Carolyn and I have been praying. It's part of our prayer point for the month of May. Everything's increasing. I wish I could tell you all that's happening and I will soon. I can't yet, but I will soon. God is expanding this ministry, touching this ministry. And I'm telling you, it's supernatural. It is supernatural what's happened just in the last two months. May is truly our month for miracles. Truly is. I'm so thankful. I, I am so thankful. I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you. Can't even tell you. And I love and I love you. I love that phrase, Brandon. He said, Evangelist Ted and Carolyn are our there are access to excess. Thank you. What a powerful way to look at it. And it's not us. It is literally the system that God has set up of seed time and harvest. I can't obviously take God's glory for what he does. He is the one who provides. And I know what you mean, Brandon, of course, that God gives us the avenue to bless ministries and to be uh, put into a place of abundance. But I, can't, I wish I could tell you, I want to tell you, it's happening soon. I just prayed for you, Cheryl, and I'll pray again. In Jesus' name, Lord, I send healing virtue to Cheryl. This eye disease that's come against her, try to steal her vision. I curse it in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray right now, touch those eyes. Make her well. Let her see perfectly with no issues. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Part of the Victory Tribe. Listen, every person that is partnering with us, this is our gift to you this month. This powerful book by my friend, Pastor Alan Meshegan, Heir of Power. Heir of Power. This is a book on your identity in Christ. You're, you're, you're a joint heir with Christ Jesus. You have an inheritance and you have an identity in Christ that makes you a winner every single day. That's our gift to you, those of you that are sowing and partnering with us this month at $85 or more. And we say a huge thank you to everybody that is doing that. It means a lot to us. You're a part of the family. And then, of course, listen, those of you that are standing with us, and sowing by faith large seeds, because it does make a difference. Not only are these kids being blessed around the world, the gospel's being preached around the world, people are being changed. But for those that are feeling God call them out to do larger amounts, $1,000 or more at one time, we're sending you this Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible, and of course the hardcover version of Further Faster is our way of saying thank you for partnering with us and standing and sowing those large seeds. We appreciate that. There's some that sow at $10,000, $5,000, $7,500. Some are sending $2,500 seeds, $1,000 seeds, whatever the Lord speaks to you to do. But listen, almost everybody 
and I say almost everybody, I mean like 99.9% of people can stand and believe God for $85 a month. Almost everybody can believe God for that. I'm asking those of you to pray. If you're not already there with us and standing, pray and say, Lord, am I to be one of those that stands with Ted and Carolyn at $85 a month as a miracle word, mighty man or woman, believing God for a generation to be saved? And if the Lord speaks to you and you feel in your spirit you are to be one of those, when you go to miracleword.com, you can click on the partner page and stand with us. And we say thank you. We say thank you. Let me tell you, it's worth more than a cable bill. It's worth more than a cell phone bill. It's worth more than a nice dinner at a nice restaurant. I mean, think about that. If you went out to eat, you and your wife on a date, and went to any place that's worth eating at, it's going to be more than $85 in a month. But imagine what one seed like that a month is doing around the world. Imagine what it's doing to touch those that are without, many of them orphaned children. Their parents have been taken out by disease, AIDS, you know, some places, civil war killed and the children are being destroyed. Not just blessing them, but also pushing the gospel. Not just pushing the gospel, but also it creates, as Brandon said, a system that brings increase back to your house. All of that is happening with something as small, and for many people it's an act of faith, $85 seed. And that's what we're asking people to do. At a minimum of $85 a month, there's others that have stood with us now at $100 a month, $250, $500 a month. We've got people giving $750 a month. Think about this. It's partnership. We do this together. We touch the world together. That's why I was saying that I thank God for those of you that are here with me because God's made you my family and he's made me your family. And that's why I want you to even those of you that haven't set up to, to stay in contact via text message, I want you to text me. Go to this link on the screen, miracleword.com forward slash text, and sign up. I want to hear from you. When you fill that form out, you're putting your information directly into my phone, and then we can stay connected via text message. The best possible way for us to stay connected is via uh, text message without question. And so I thank you to every person that's standing with me and with Carolyn. I so love it, so appreciate it. And uh, you're changing the world. Think about this. You are changing the world. It's a powerful thing. Tonight, let me say this. Tonight, I have a message for you that is gonna stir your faith. If you just logged on, you didn't know what we're doing. Um, let me tell you what it is. It's a message that literally, I believe, changed my ministry and lifted me, I would say it this way, lifted me up to a different level of the gift of faith in preaching and in teaching and in ministry. That's what it did. It kind of boosted me up. It's like taking a shot of adrenaline. It boosted me up to another level of faith and authority. And I'm going to play that message for you tonight, nine o'clock. We're doing the series called Let's Go Back to Church. And it's time. I'm playing live church services for you. And uh, you don't want to miss tonight at 9 p.m. So, so get back on with me. Thank you for everybody that's sewing. Of course, you can do hashtag donate in the comments on Periscope and on Facebook. You can use Cash App. You can use Venmo. PayPal's available if you're all in the United States. If you're around the world or in the States, you can always go to miracleword.com to sow your seed. I love you guys so much. I'm hoping that um, maybe Carolyn can be back on with me again uh, tomorrow. We'll see. 
she's doing so, so much, um, finishing up her book as well as teaching the kids, doing all the stuff for the ministry. Um, but I really appreciate when she's on, she does a great job and I know you guys love to see her on the broadcast as well. So I'm going to invite her. If she's watching Carolyn, we need you. We need you on the broadcast. <laughs> Let me make a couple of things, uh, announcements. Of course, don't forget we're finishing. We're halfway through. Really? We're coming up on halfway through the miracle word.com new Testament Bible reading challenge. And, uh, thank you, Joel. So kind of you. So, so kind of you and evangel. I appreciate you guys so much, so much man of faith, woman of faith. Those of you who don't know, Pastor Joel is leading a, a church uh, in the UK up by Manchester, and the power of God is literally moving. I tell you this, uh, the UK, let me come back to you. The UK turn, is turning and is ripe for revival. I promise you that. I felt it in my spirit last year. I sent a message to Joel that uh, I just feel to, to get over there and start preaching because I'm telling you, the UK... Though it looks in the natural, it's like a guy said on, there's a guy being interviewed the other day and they're, they're trying to forward it around social media that, um, you know, it, Islam is, is going to take over Western Europe. And I'm telling you, I feel in my spirit that the UK and Western Europe are ripe for Holy Ghost revival. I mean, ripe for Holy Ghost revival. And I want to be a part of it. I'm telling you, I want to be a part of what God's doing in the UK uh, what he's doing in Italy, what he's doing in Greece, what he's doing in Germany. I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost moving on the UK, Wales. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be supernatural. And uh, I thank God for men of God like Joel that are doing the work faithfully and setting the stage for revival. It You cannot trade that faithfulness for anything. And so Joel, we love you and your wife. And so appreciate and honor you for what you're doing there in the UK. It's priceless for the kingdom, priceless. And uh, it's amazing what God's doing. So we say thank you and we love you. Um, don't forget, by the way, that uh, we have stuff for your kids in the shop. We've got things for moms in the shop, all kinds of things available. The new book available in the shop. Everything's up there. Go to shop.miracleword.com. And uh, for those of you that are that are uh, watching, you can get it all there. And these new Victory Tribe, I think we should do it. If you think we should do it, throw a hand up in the comments. If you're looking forward to the Victory Tribe clothing line, I think we should. I think it would be awesome. We'll put a really cool logo together and uh, and put some Victory Tribe stuff together. I think it'd be I think it'd be sweet. I'm looking forward to it. I love you guys. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.